All right, well, now this one we can just go for it. Jeff, you know what I hate? The final day of a week long of podcasts about top five lists. Oh, we're putting us last. Oh, yeah. Oh, we are fancy. As can be. As fancy can be. Uh, do you want to start? Do you want to kick? Let's get our phones out so we can get our lists on here, okay? Yeah. So, I have to. I have to admit, this well, is I a been list. Recording all of these. Oh, okay. Cool. Never. Let's start. <laughs> so, up. I messed up. Let's do, redo all of these intros. <clears throat> this is a list of five comics that I thought probably came out this year that jumped to mind in like thirty seconds when Jeff said, "I still don't have your." top five and then you seemed upset when i showed you what you gave me as your list i was a little bit <laughs> because i keep thinking of other things that i really liked i know and justin had a great bit about just the fact that all of us probably have five shadow books that we just can't remember that we're all as good as the five on our list yeah so we're working under that assumption <clears throat> here so i'm going to qualify each and every one of these please and probably as we talk there's probably going to be honorable mentions for both of us please do so in no particular order one of my bullshit top five I like comics. That. One of my favorite comics that came out this year was Jimmy Olsen. Oh. Um, it has a, a different rhythm and cadence than most comics that come out. Yep. It's super funny. Matt Fraction is a really good writer, and Steve Lieber is like the perfect match for Fraction, I think, just in, in the way that he conveys jokes and his his comedic timing and expressions are brilliant. And I hadn't really been aware of him as a storyteller in that way until the fix from Image a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, Did he do any stuff on Flintstones? No. That was all Pew. That was all Steve Pew and Steve Leahola. Mm. Um, I think it was Leahola. Anyway. Um, Steve Lieber also did Whiteout a long, long time ago from Oni, which was really good and turned into kind of a bad movie with uh, Kate Beckinsale, I think. Mm. But uh, this this is the year of me absolutely falling in love with that guy. Yeah, it's so cute to watch you blush and flirt when you're around him, when you bring him chocolates and flowers. And I've never seen Django get so coquettish around a creator at a con convention. I've seen him like four or five times this year. Yeah, It took him four or five times to remember my name and which, say it on purpose, which, which I love. Which never happens to you. No. People no. remember after one. Yeah, not him. Not him? Or if he did, he was just playing it cool. Not the Lieber. <laughs> he was like, I don't want Django to think I remember him. I want him to think I'm so cool I didn't. That's one of the great comic book romances I've been watching develop <laughs> is Django and Steve Lieber. Django, I feel a little cliche with my list. I think you're going to be able to predict all of them. Oh. I also uh, can't wait to hear that all four of your other ones are House of X and Powers of Ten. Yeah, are you starting with House of X and Powers of Ten? That's not on my list. Is that also number two? Is it also number three? Outer Darkness. Oh! I think it I think it did start near the end of 2018. We got 12 issues with a little break between two months, but it, it was pretty yeah. much all of it came out in 2019. Um, Justin talked about it more eloquently and better than I did, but uh, you know, I'll throw my two cents. I think it's one of the more creative books out there. 
I really like the writing in it, but really what does it for me in that book is the art. Like there's just like a a widescreen cinematic Saturday morning cartoon nature to it. It's like a thing I've never really seen before. Um, the, the artist Afu Chan, uh, John Lehman did the writing. Afu Chan like the the ink line gets thicker the closer it is to the camera, and there's just panoramic shots and huge atmosphere, and uh, it's while all like inside in these small spaces and I I think it's just like one of the coolest things Django was like you should read it it's like Star Trek me mixed with demons demons and I was like all right well that doesn't <laughs> super sound like my thing and uh, I think on the surface the art isn't immediately like mind-blowing but as soon as I stare at any of those panels like everything is so well built and well constructed and it's yeah there's two volumes out people should check it out outer darkness by image comics is uh, one of my favorite things that would come out every month. It was always like I would very excitedly read it and never be disappointed. And John John Lehman is a, just a great writer. He hangs out with Steve <clears throat> Lieber sometimes, uh, sit next to each other at conventions. I've just had to talk to John Lehman a lot while you're out trying to have sex with Steve Lieber. You know, someday I'm gonna conquer that hill. <laughs> someday. And uh, you and Steve. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get along real well. <laughs> yeah, two titans. <laughs> this this list. That I that I sent you apparently it sucks. It looks like somebody else wrote parts of it, really? uh, and it's not like it's not wrong. And I've got a reason for putting Middle West on my list. But you've had a tone since we sh- saw this list where you have seemed like you're trying to convince me that this is not your top five list. Are you owning this, or are you are you tossing it to the wayside? No, I, I gotta own it. Yeah. I made it. You made it. I made it. It's I like sent it poop. to you. Yeah. I believe it. I believe that I sent this <laughs> list to you. Um, and I like I don't know what I would replace Middle West with because Middle West, uh, Scotty Young wrote it and Jorge Cardo- Jorge- <laughs> <laughs> You could just say Steve Lieber, <laughs> George Corona, or maybe Jorge Corona. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it it's a really really well written book. And the art matches it super well without being exactly Scotty Young. It does surprise me that that's on your list because I don't hear about it a ton, like on the podcast. Well, yeah, and like, where are all the Jeff Lemire books that's that true. I didn't put on this list, right? But this has kind of a Jeff Lemire feeling of like a, a lonely teenage kid kind of making his way through an adventure. This one's a little bit wackier, um, but it, it the the world feels fully formed the different ways that they use like bottles of some sort of pinkish juice that gives them heating in their houses and stuff like it's a fully formed world it's got a lot of fantasy elements which don't always appeal to me but the the way that it's couched in in this story about a little kid trying to figure out what's going on and who he is and where he belongs is interesting to me and I've read every issue there's like 12 or 13 issues out mm-hmm. so far and I've enjoyed them all um have you ever seen the big Lebowski <clears throat> yeah do you remember the scene where the dude has been like kidnapped or something and uh there's, he's in like that rich guy's home and he gets a phone call and he goes over and takes a note and then like the dude like trying to escape like goes there and puts a paper over it and like does yeah. the rubbing of it and it's yeah. just like a weird picture of a person with a big penis or <laughs> <Yeah>. something <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that, but that's some of my favorite absurdist uh, film scenes right there. That's what this list feels like to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, what did I draw? I like Why the, is there a penis here? I like to think that that's what Steve Lieber's grocery list looks like. <laughs> <laughs> the Lieber. 
Um, well, I certainly can't go with a heartfelt pick after that tangent. We so. can't even tag that guy in this now. It <laughs> <laughs> <He> got weird. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> I think that we probably couldn't tag him as soon as the bit about you trying to have sex with him at conventions came out, and that was a while ago. So, um, I will go with American Carnage. Django, did you read all of American Carnage? I did. That book was fucking good. It was great. I'd like to reread it because I feel like um, it's more of a package than, than yeah. single issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve Lieber's package. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's unusable. Not as bad. Not seemingly respected. Who knows? Who knows? I don't want to speak for his package. I ate Hokai for lunch. I almost threw up ramen all over the table just now. Um, American Carnage was very, very good. And it very was, serious. <laughs> very serious. <laughs> Um, it has like really strong overtones of scalps. Uh, you heard Colette talk about it on her year-end list. Really gorgeous, like shadowy art, um, and like a gr- just gross gray political stuff. Um, you like the bad guys. You like the good guys. You don't like the bad guys. You don't like the good guys. Like the bad guys are very despicable, but also humanized to a point. I, I just I remember as it started coming up, Brian Hill did a fantastic interview. And he was talking about how he kind of wanted that thing. Like, we're basically in, in the KKK. He's a, he's a person of color. Um, but he, he was wanted to sort of make readers uncomfortable by being able to see or identify with some amount of these horrible ideologies in this yeah. group. <laughs> and he does that very effectively. And it makes me as a reader really uncomfortable when you can kind of humanize really despicable ideas. But Which is I, a hallmark of great writing, I think. It is. Scalps does it too. You and, know? I, and I think that it's important for humans to do that. I think that it's really important for us to try and understand where people come from, so we can kind of see <clears throat> why it's fucked up. But if you don't, if you just other it to the point where you can't understand it, you don't know how you can prevent people from getting there or affect change to to stop you know other people from having those types of beliefs. So uh, it's it's so good. I think it ended. I think because Vertigo closed its doors, it probably uh, it seemed like three or four issues were cut off of it. Like it seemed like it ended pretty abrupt- abruptly. Yeah, it ended on a funny number too. Yeah, like eight or nine or something. Yeah, something it goofy. Been like ten or twelve. But. but it felt to me like this is this is what Vertigo used to be. You yeah. know, like like it was it was a callback to when Vertigo was really kind of hard hitting, very grown up comics, rather than. Like, I don't know, a lot of the books that they put out near the end were a little bit hokey. Yeah, or just, you know, kind of like almost like trying to be image or something, which is like, that's not what you are. You're a different thing. You're like like a curated type of, I don't know. There was, anyway. um, That's a good pick. Thanks. Yeah, Colette and I both had that on there. What's your next pick? Guess. Uh, well, I know them. Criminal okay. is my next pick. <laughs> okay. I was trying to get you to pick which one to say next. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> criminal. So Criminal came back this year uh, by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. How long was it not around? Like a couple years, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they they would sh- like shoot out little one shots or short stories. Um, but it it's just such a good gritty crimey. Series that kind of does the same thing that American Carnage does, where you're following mm-hmm. these people and you see why this guy, like where this guy got fucked up and what a jerk his dad was, 
and you're like, oh, the dad's the bad guy. And then you kind of learn where he's coming from and why he's like that. And it's it's just the, like stories of broken people who are criminals. And they're, they're doing an interesting thing here where it's ongoing, so it's not one story at a time, which is what they did originally. They are collecting it in a very confusing way. It's a super confusing way to collect it. If you know that they came out as issues. Right. But they're collecting them as story arcs. Right. And the story arcs will sometimes be like issue one, two, and four, five. Yeah. So if if you're looking for packages to read, I think it's it makes sense in the collections. I mean, it's no Steve Lieber, but it's... Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, um, you have to stop that. I'm never going to say the word package again. <laughs> you can't. Without getting a wistful look in my eye. <laughs> Steven! <laughs> anyway... Uh, criminal, it's great. I, I don't think that you have to be a fan of the crime noir genre to enjoy the character work and uh, just the, the sort of storytelling chops that are in those stories. I feel like I'm going to be wasting people's time by talking about this one since if you've made it this far into the week, you've already heard about it. So I'll make it brief. Silver Surfer Black is very good. It's maybe maybe the most progressive art I've seen in a comic book maybe ever. Tradmore and Donnie Cates. Love the Cates. Love the Gates. Um, love the Trad. That's not an owl. That's a dove. It's not even a good dove. Who? <laughs> Who? Donnie Who? Cates. Who? <laughs> CSI. Um, it, it's, it, like, it reminded me of like, I bet that that's what it was like to read, you know, Jim Starlin comics in the 70s, like where there was just ideas coming at you that felt like they were from the future. Mm -hmm. And that's what this book looked like. It looked like things I'd never seen, and it did stuff with visual flow in a comic I'd never seen before. I love the stuff that he did in that, where he, he literally just breaks comic book rules, right. and it's still fluid. Yeah. You still read it in the right order. It's great. Yeah, it's also, it's watery. Like, it's just yeah. like a weird squiggly lines on everything. <clears throat> I, I love it. Uh, Silver Server Black, definitely one of my five favorites of the year. It was just a great sort of six-month run. It was coming out when the Hawks and the Pox were coming out. and ugh. Uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to change my list because I already wrote it. You already wrote it. I and I'm down. seeing your discontent with your list as one of my favorite parts of the whole year. That would be <laughs> on my 2019 list. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love all these books, though. I, I, I can't. I, I love so many comics. I can't boil them down to five. I can't remember. I know what your final one is, but what's your fourth one? Goodnight Paradise oh, from TKO right. Studios. Yeah. Um, it's a story about. It, it's another crime story set in Venice Beach in the homeless population. So. You've got a homeless dude trying to solve a crime against another homeless person, and the what you end up with is a lot of crime noir tropes coming from a different angle. So you've got unreliable witnesses, but instead of the normal reasons that you would have for unreliable witnesses, this is some people are schizophrenic, some people are mm -hmm. on drugs, some people are just lying to you because that's what they do or they don't trust you. So it, it gives you new motivations for an old story. Who wrote and drew that one? That was uh, Joshua Williamson. Oh. Wrote it. That surprises me. Yeah. Uh, he's so infringed <clears throat> in Marvel and DC stuff. Yeah, well, like, TKO has put out a bunch of... No, I'm, I lied. 
Ask me who wrote it again. Who wrote and who wrote and drew that? Joshua Dysart. Oh, Josh Dysart. Yeah, and Alberto Ponticelli with Guilla Brusco on art. And like the art in this is amazing. It's printed oversize Mm -hmm. because that's how TKO does their their thing. They're the trad more. They're breaking comic rules left and right. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's beautiful. I, I was mad that it wouldn't fit in my boxes, but it looks real good on my shelf. Yeah. And uh, I I can't recommend this or Sarah enough. Uh, Sarah was the Garth Ennis war story. Yeah, that's a both both of them are great. And I'll bet that the rest of the TKO stuff is solid too. I just haven't read it all. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. We have to order it directly from them. We can't get it through Diamond. They release boxes of all six <clears> issues <throat> and paperbacks at the same time. Like they're definitely experimenting with the way these comics come out, which I think is pretty awesome. And I laughed and patted them at the head on the head when I first heard about it. But holy cow! Yeah, they're doing the damn thing. Good job, guys. Are you just signing your name on I, a piece of paper over I'm and over? I'm in love with writing my initials, so right. I have written it two times on this paper. You know, if you if you look at it. If you look at it, it's the same upside down as it is right side up. Okay, that's really cool. It is. That's really cool. Would you like me to get you a mirror so you can look at yourself while we do the podcast? (laughs) If I look at people in the eye too long, I get scared. (laughs) That's why I I always record the normal podcast blindfolded, but it's in the day and I get uncomfortable. It's my sincere hope that... TKO picks up Steve Lieber. Oh, God. Can you imagine the packages they would drop? Yeah. Those yeah. books would be on our doorstep. Yeah. We would order up. We would order up for sure. Um, okay, everybody. Let's get really serious for a second. Okay? I'm trying to think of Is it? Start with a G? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ghost Tree um, from IDW. It was a five-issue miniseries. I don't remember the writer and artist off the top of my head. Bobby Kernow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was the artist. And Gage? Yes. But anyway, uh, it is a really cool book. It's a super quiet, soft book. Kind of felt a little bit like Day Tripper did to me. Um, Super personal. Just about a guy going back home to Japan to be around his grandmother after his 10 years after his grandfather died. And he had told his grandfather that he would go back 10 years afterwards and go out in the woods where his grandfather used to hang out. And what he realized is that his family has this gift where they're able to see ghosts. But it, uh, yeah, it's written by, uh, oh, the author is Bobby Kernow. And then, yes, yeah, Simon Gain was the illustrator. Really nice art. Really nice art. More detailed. <clears throat> it, like sketchy and detailed, which makes it feel really personal. Kind of Simon Bondy. Uh, not, but not Phil Bond, who you talked about on this week's Damn podcast. It. Damn it! I'm fucking up all the names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, it is it is gorgeous and it is heartfelt and um, it's it's mostly about this guy who's married and kind of the relationship's not going very well, but he's not really admitting that. But he gets to see the ghost of his first girlfriend who died, and. It, that doesn't go the way that you would think it would, and it all is like very wholesome in a in a way that just encourages people to sort of redefine the the thought patterns that we have that we carry with us that don't necessarily get. Um, you know, at some point, sometimes you you look at a shoe for long enough and you see that it's uh you're like that's Django's shoe, but then you can also stare at that shoe and be like, oh, it's a you know, it's a Nike shoe that's white. Or uh, that's a bad way of trying to express the idea that sometimes we just chunk whole times of our lives into a single emotional feeling or thought, and 
that can be really bad because it doesn't encourage us to sort of analyze the processes that got us to there. And as we grow um, our past and our experiences, we're able to process them differently. That book is very much about that to me. You know, why do we value the things that we value and how do we use those to teach ourselves lessons, but also reanalyze those lessons so we can continue to get meaning from them for the whole, the whole of our lives. Loved it, super heartfelt, didn't end up how I thought it was gonna end up. That was maybe like, you know, that would be tied for my favorite book of the year, for sure. With Hawkspox? Well, I'm not spoiling my list, Django. Oh, you said they weren't on your list. Hawkspox isn't on my list. Okay. Until um, the next item I bring up. <laughs> as, as you were just talking about that, um, I, ha I, I realized that for you, reading about that process that that, that book kind of brings up like mm -hmm. here's here's how you work through a thing and mm -hmm. and you know there are things that you dwell on in your past that that you kind of have to deal with before you move forward mm -hmm. that's something you're a lot more aware that you do than i am i know i do it in my head brain mm -hmm. but i don't consciously really do it for the most part um i do it a more, cripplingly amount you do and yeah. and more lately than than before but um not to not to split off from comics but for a right. moment I gotta, I gotta say, probably, probably my favorite movie this year was Uncut Gems, mm -hmm. which I went to see, and was so stressed out that I almost stood up and walked out like three times because I was just I've, so wound up. I've never heard you say something like that about a movie. But when you went to see it, you were like, "Oh yeah, I can see why it freaked you out so much." Yeah, and just the the idea that these different stories, both of us can totally understand why a story got under our skin like mm -hmm. that or why the presentation of the story got under our skin like that. But, like, I can see you not being tempted to walk out of Uncut Gems at right. all. And Ron and I were both sitting there just, like, <laughs> squirming and, and trying not to throw up from the stress of this guy's four-day trip into just being overscheduled and broke. Yeah. Like, that's really all it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's kind of just a really cool part about being a human being. Because, mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> I, that movie is, is on my list of favorite movies of the year. Um, but I don't know that I knew that it stressed you out when I went and saw it and I could see me without knowing you thinking it would it could be a stressful movie but the more that we get to know people and make friends with other people the more that like just our knowing how other people live their lives allows us to then appreciate things that wouldn't immediately resonate with us. Like yeah. when you were reading Ghostry, you're probably like, I can see why Jeff is so into this. I liked it a lot more because you right. liked it so much. And I think that that <clears throat> is just one of the cool things about being a human and yeah. like engaging in art, but just like meeting people and knowing people and connecting with people allows you to even kind of vicariously experience things through them without them around, yeah. um, which is a, a really cool part about being a human. And reading comics. And reading comics. And seeing movies. <laughs> seeing movies. Stressful movies. Uh, so my... This is this is the one... This is the one on my list that I knew. This was the shot he called from fucking North Carolina <laughs> or South yeah. Carolina, like, in February. So... Babe Ruth on the mound. <laughs> so this book is about a young girl who kind of gets kicked out of her home and goes to live in the big city with her grandmother, I think it is. And, or a grandfather, and it turns out that they're not there anymore, and she ends up living, I think, in the same house or the same apartment as her relative, who wasn't there when she showed up, um, and she's living with a bunch of 
drag queens and trans people and just kind of ends up in this in this crazy like burlesque scene and she is going just going through high school like this high school journey being part of a group for the first time but it's also a group that gets an amount of flack from other people and she's in high school she's the new kid she's navigating all that stuff and she's like a smart precocious together kid who keeps who who, who just kind of doesn't take much seriously and this book just the art in it floored me the writing in it taught a lot of lessons without preaching anything and i think they were really good lessons and i think that the 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 story and the moral of the story are both super engaging and super important and it's a Harley Quinn comic, which, <laughs> you know, I I don't know what to say. You're, I, a, you're a Harley Quinn guy. I'm absolutely not a Harley Quinn guy, oh, but like in the right hands. You can listen to the podcast that just came out this week. Motherfucker. <laughs> in the right hands, any character can be a character that um, you identify yeah, with. Yeah. And Marika Tamaki wrote Harley Quinn Breaking Glass. It's uh, kind of like a, a middle grade Book, young adult, young adult book, um, and Steve Pugh illustrated it. Steve Pugh took a year off to do it. He painted it. It's it's gorgeous. The acting on the page is amazing, and the 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 whole thing just it makes you feel different things. I'm assuming they were the things Marika Tamaki <laughs> wanted mean, me to feel <laughs> as I as I read it. Um, I if if I could buy a thousand copies of this and hand it to a thousand people, I would. And I think I think it would change change the way people think about some things and also entertain them start to finish. And I refuse to read it. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's your problem, buddy. No, I don't refuse to read it. I just uh, uh, it's like it says Harley Quinn on the cover. Like I, I mean, I, yeah, I, that's a that's a hard sell. For in me. the right hands, she any character is amazing, and I love old Harley Quinn stuff. Um, it's just hard to sit down and read a graphic novel right now for me. Um, although I did do that today. What'd you read? I read uh, half of "It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken" by Seth. Oh, um, nice. Which is. Very good. Nice. Um, Seth. Seth. Yeah, he did like Palookaville and a yeah. bunch of other sort of alt cool, comic cool stuff. Cool, indie, cool indie artist. Yeah, a lot of drawn and quarterly stuff. Yeah. Fantagraphics. Um, all right, well, then that brings me to my final one, which was also sort of called From the Mound. <laughs> um, and it is House of X and Powers of Ten by Foul Ball. Foul Ball by R.B. Silva and Marta Gracia and... Pepe Larraz. This book rules. It's like the biggest, smartest, prettiest, most intricate geometric puzzle I've ever seen put into a comic book. And uh, the like 12 weeks that we got of that coming out weekly is maybe the most fun I've had with a comic book coming out weekly or or just like a comic coming Mm -hmm. out serialized in many years. Um, It made me feel like I was like 18 again or something, like reading comics as an adult for the first time. Super good, super smart, super cool. Um, It's the X-Men, which I've always liked, but I've never like loved. I have just two runs that I thought were really cool that I've always dug, but this is my favorite X-Men book I've ever read, and it's one of my favorite comic books I've ever read. And 
God damn it, if it wasn't probably unbarreled to be around me for those three months. But uh, just like the amount of creative energy in that that like I absorbed as a reader and the amount of like inspiration I got out of it and um, encouraging encouraging me to think in new ways. It was just so cool. Uh, Jonathan Hickman could do whatever he wants and I'll always just kind of like be there with a sign waving it. The end is nigh. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was real, real good. I'm surprised that wasn't all over your list. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not an X-Men guy. Me neither. Like, I, th- I think it's a really solid story. Uh, and I really, really appreciate the kind of community that grew up around it as it was coming out. Like, we had new people coming into the store. People were talking about what was going to happen in the next issue. Lots of speculation mm-hmm. of, about the story. Um, so I really appreciated that. About it, I thought that it was a, a well done comic, um, but it just didn't make the cut. Middle yeah. West came out this year, man. Yeah, dude, I get it, I get it, I get it. Steve Lieber put books out this year, dude. Yeah, yeah. Imagine Hickman and Lieber. Oh my god, I would the character work. I'd let them do my taxes. Oh my god, we yeah. have a tax guy, Django. Hickman, Lieber, and Silva. Oh, Hickman, Lieber, and Silva. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's that's my top five. That's your top five. Your movie yeah. of the year was Uncut Gems. Well, like, what else came out this year? Did not, Star Wars come out this year? Not a huge number of amazing movies came out this year. I remember loving some movies this year, but, th- like, this is my whole problem. If I'm not working from a list of everything that came out in a year, I can't. I don't know. Did Mother come out this year? No. No, it was, like, four years ago or something. That was before Justin moved, yeah. Yeah, and... and like that was probably my favorite movie of the year too. <laughs> this Revenant, year, the mother, mother yeah. and Revenant came out in the same year. That was a good year for movies. That was a good year for Let's, movies. How about this? Instead of picking your favorite movie of the year, pick your favorite year for movies of the last decade. Last decade? Fuck you. That's the same question. <laughs> I can tell you my. It's even harder. I think my favorite year for movies that I was going to theaters was probably the year Fight Club came out. Oh my God, ninety nine. 98, 99, somewhere in there? 99. The Cinerama in Seattle (laughs) recently did a thing where, like, every week they played one of the movies from 1999. Yeah. And it was, like, The Matrix and Fight Club. And, like, all of that year is insane. Yeah. And it even had, like, that Mel Gibson Civil War movie. The Patriot? The Patriot? Yeah. Like, that's an effective, engaging movie. I I don't think it's super good. I don't think it would really hold up, especially... You know, given what we know about Mel Gibson now, right? But it was a it was a thrill ride. You know what does hold up? What's that? Lincoln. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's on Netflix. Is it? Go watch it. Right. That movie fucking rules. I do like that cobbler when he acts. Yeah, I watched it like two years ago for the second time and <clears throat> was astounded. Sometimes you just like have to watch every Daniel Day Lewis movie. You know, yeah. like every like every two years, I get obsessed with it. Now I need to watch There Will Be Blood. Uh, yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking that. <laughs> we gotta watch There Will Be Blood. Thinking that. I think it's on some streaming service. Yeah, it's one of the best movies of all time. I'm gonna sit real close so it really feels like I'm in the West. I don't like it when the little kid goes deaf. Oh God, but th- it's so good. You're not wrong about that. Man, we don't know how to stop talking. We sure don't. We live in this dimly lit pap room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Jeff, you gotta stop saying pap. <laughs> Well, um, oh, I forgot to talk about the Yule Log. Oh, talk about it. Well, yeah, well, you know, welcome to the Django and Jeff's final bit of the year. And you can, you can hear it. The Yule Log's dying down. And with that uh, embery pile of Yule, so does 2019 end. But 
With its end, we are ushered into a new decade, a new era, 2020. We're in German, Zwanzig, Zwanzig. Or Schlee. Schlee, Schlee. That's great. Cool. Yeah, I'll just plug that in at the beginning. We'll be very good. Hey, uh, can you do me a favor? Yeah, Favier. Uh, Cut out all the Lieber stuff. No, I think you got to leave it in. Yeah. you got to leave it in. Yeah, it would be um, too difficult to cut it out now. Can you use Rice Krispies for the Snap, Crackle, Pop of the Yule Log? Um, we have, we'll use the sound of the Yule Log that is around us. Okay. Dude, I went out to uh, Walmart today uh-huh. and got a cereal I've been excited about coming out for several months. Yeah, you mentioned that. What is it? Blueberry Muffin Toasters. It is a remake of Blueberry Muffin Toppers. It was only around from like 2013 to 2015 or something. Okay. And it is the best cereal. And I've known this was coming down the pipe for a while, but they finally they finally remade it. What's the oldest cereal that you know about that you'll never be able to have? Um, the Batman Returns cereal that I got my mom to make my dad give up his collected boxes of to so that I could read or uh, eat because I was a whiny, complaining five year old who didn't understand why his dad was collecting Batman things that I okay. couldn't have. All right. What about you? I don't know. I'm not the cereal head that you are. Like you know a lot about cereal, man. I really like it. Um, I I have a couple cereal stories, but I can't imagine you want to hear them. Blueberry muffin toppers was the one that I was like, I desperately want that cereal. Yeah. And that was you know several years, and they finally backed backed by popular demand. So hopefully everyone go out and pick up a box of blueberry muffin toasters. Actually, you can only get in giant Malto meal bags. So I was eating it dry on my way here, but I got to get home to get that thing covered in my least favorite dairy product. Put some apple juice on it? No. It, I, I forget that you're not a huge cereal head um, because you don't put milk on it. You just do cereal and water yeah. or cereal and apple yeah, juice. Yeah, well, what's your favorite cereal with apple juice on it, Jeff? I don't fucking slum like you do, my dude. You should try it. Oh, yeah? You should try it. What's your favorite cereal with apple juice? I like uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. It's a little overbearingly sweet, but it's pretty solid. Well, you're drinking it with, you're having it with apple juice, which is like sugar. Yeah. Also, grape nuts. Grape (laughs) nuts are way better like that. Um, And like all the boring cereals are pretty good like this. Yeah, I bet. It probably levels things up a bit. You can't Lucky Charms in apple juice, though. Oh, no. Oh, no. I've switched to soy milk or almond milk, so I can eat any cereal. Oh, God. And on that note, 2020, here we come. (laughs) Fuck you, 2019. I'm eating what I want. Fuck you, 2019. I'm done with you. Thanks for the comics, though. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. Right. Yeah. Steve Lieber. Lieber. Lieber.